0: Welcome to Bathing with God, the free audiobook podcast from my imagination to yours. I'm Glenn Ostland, and if you like what you hear and would like to purchase a print or Kindle version of the complete book, search for it on Amazon.com or go to the website bathingwithgod.com. And now I give you Bathing with God. Chapter 3 The Fiction of Fictions Fiction is the lie through which we tell the truth. Albert Camus Fiction reveals the truth that reality obscures. Jessamine West Okay, Quad, let's pick up where we left off. Where Where was was that? that? You said that everything is a fiction. Right. Right. Everything Everything is a fiction. Everything, huh? I think I'm going to call BS on that one, too. By BS, do you mean that what I just said is a fiction? Yes, but that doesn't mean that everything is. Facts are facts, and facts are not fictions.
1: Ooh, fun. Facts, huh? Facts like what?
0: Oh, I don't know. Like the speed of light? Like water being two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen? Like the fact that I exist and that I interact with things in the world that I can see, hear, taste, smell, and touch? Those are all facts, huh? Of course. They all exist.
1: Fictions also exist. There are a lot of them.
0: But fictions aren't real.
1: How do you figure that?
0: Because they're made up.
1: Everything is made up of something.
0: The speed of light is not made up of anything. Are you absolutely sure about that? Look, if we can't agree that facts are facts, then I don't think I can talk with you anymore. Okay, I'll be gentler.
1: Yes, facts are facts. Thank you. And one of those facts is that everything is a fiction.
0: That is you being gentler?
1: Sorry, I couldn't
0: help myself. Of course you could have helped yourself.
1: You're right, I just didn't want to.
0: Why did you say that everything is a fiction?
1: Because I am your imagination. And my job is to play around with all of the things that you know, and all of the things that you don't know. And because of this, I happen to know that what you don't know far outweighs what you do know. It's not even close. I also recognize the interconnectedness of all things. And I know that the things that you don't know influence the things you do know in ways that, by definition, you simply don't know. In other words, everything that you know is, to one degree or another, incomplete, inaccurate, not the entire truth, just a small part of a much bigger story, subject to change with new data. In other words, a fiction.
0: Do you know the story of the blind men and the elephant of course everyone does well
1: not everyone does but this story illustrates what i'm trying to tell you each human being is like one of those blind men feeling their way around the elephant trying to figure out what it is you aren't blind in the sense that you cannot see it all but you are blind in the sense that your eyes detect less than 1% of the electromagnetic light spectrum, a sliver of what actually exists. The same is true for what you hear and smell and feel. In addition, every bit of the sliver of reality that you perceive is filtered through a system of beliefs and emotions before you ever consciously register any of it. Your brain is constantly comparing everything it senses in any given moment against every similar sensation it has ever sensed. For example, if your dad forced you to eat a mango and blueberry pancake when you were six years old, and you didn't want to eat that pancake, and you tasted the mango and blueberry while feeling that stress, your brain will store the memory of mangoes and blueberries in the emotional category of stress. And guess what? You're not gonna like mangoes or blueberries because they will make you feel stress when you next come across them. You will think they are gross, even though other people think they're delicious. In that sense, mistaking an elephant's tail for a snake, or its tusk for a spear, or its ear for a fan, is completely natural. It is the most human thing in the world to be wrong about the reality that surrounds you, because you are only aware of a very small sliver of reality, and even then, you are only aware of how you feel about that small sliver of reality, and all of that is heavily biased and incomplete. In other words, everything you know about reality is a severely incomplete fiction.
0: Yeah, I, I don't like that.
1: Of course you don't, which is why you prefer to constantly ignore it.
0: Fine, so why bring it up? Why is it so important for you to make me think that everything is a fiction?
1: Because fictions are the most powerful, most transformative human creations that this planet has ever seen. If you ignore them, if you think they are not real, you are grossly underestimating their power. That means that you're also grossly underestimating your own power as the creator of fictions.
0: We must be thinking about different kinds of fictions. Good point.
1: Maybe we are.
0: What do you mean by fictions? I told you. Fictions are things that aren't real.
1: Can you give me an example?
0: Sure. How about Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars? Those stories are fictions. They're not real.
1: But they are real from a certain point of view, as Obi-Wan would say. The books are real. The movies are real. The themes explored in the stories and the impact they have on people's lives. That's all very real.
0: But the events in those stories didn't actually happen in real life. The characters never really existed. That's why they're considered fantasies instead of actual history books.
1: Certainly there are differences between fantasies and histories, but any historian worth their salt will tell you that even the most comprehensive histories only tell a part of the story, a small portion of everything that was really going on. So even the best histories are incomplete, and inaccurate
0: to some degree, which makes them fictions. But fictions are false. They aren't real. What do you mean by real? Uh, Real means real. Uh Uh-huh. And what exactly does that mean? That I can sense it with one or more of my five senses.
1: So X-rays, microwaves, gamma rays aren't real?
0: Fine. Real is something that can be detected by the physical senses, or by instruments that have been created to detect things outside the limits of our physical senses. Fair enough. But what about things outside the range
1: of those instruments? Dark matter can't be detected by either natural or artificial senses, but scientists agree that dark matter fills about 95% of the known universe. So is dark matter real or not?
0: It's not real. It's only theoretical, until there's more solid evidence that it actually exists.
1: Are you sure about that? What was the tallest mountain in the world before Everest was discovered?
0: I don't know. What? Everest. Before it was discovered? It was still there, even though
1: humans hadn't seen it
0: yet. Congratulations, you got me. But that doesn't mean that fictions are real. What about money? Is that real? Money is not a fiction. I have a whole wallet full of bills that I can pull out and show you. Sure, the paper is real. What gives that paper its value? The government, based on the gold standard or something like that. So the
1: government isn't making it up? Money isn't a man-made creation?
0: It is, I guess, but it's still real. You can't live without it.
1: Which nicely illustrates the importance of fictions.
0: But fictions aren't real.
1: You really need to let go of your fiction about fictions.
0: My fiction about fictions?
1: Yes. You think that fictions are made up and that made-up things are not real. You're right that fictions are made up, but you're very wrong if you think that made-up things are not real.
0: Everything is made up from something. It's not the same thing. Not the same thing
1: as what? You dismiss fictions as being incomplete and inaccurate, as being only partially true, and therefore just a bunch of BS and not worth your time or energy to listen to. But I'm telling you that your understanding of everything is incomplete and inaccurate. You only have partial truth in everything, which therefore makes everything a fiction. You ignore that fact because you don't like living with uncertainty. So you privilege certain fictions above other fictions and latch on to them to make them yours. Then you call your fictions truth and other people's fictions not truth, and this becomes incredibly divisive. I don't do that. Oh, really? What do you think about Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, the talking snake, and the seven-day creation of the Earth as told in the Bible? Are those fictions?
0: Of course they're fictions. Science has proven that the Earth is far older than 7,000 years, snakes clearly don't talk, and humans evolved over time. They were not formed out of clay and a rib. I agree.
1: They are fictions because they're made-up stories, right? right which paint an incomplete and inaccurate picture of the world. Yes. Furthermore, they're what cultural anthropologists refer to as ideological myths, origin stories that are set in a time before recorded history, with humans interacting with gods. And contrary to popular usage, a myth, in academic terms, is a story that is believed to be true by the people who keep it alive as an important part of their traditional culture. Would you agree that this is a fiction?
0: Yes, of course. Cool.
1: What about the story of the Big Bang?
0: Oh, brother. You don't like the story of the Big Bang? You're going to try to tell me it's a fiction. Let me stop you before you even try. I'm not buying it. Why not? Because the Big Bang is true. It's science.
1: It's a story about the origin of the universe that was made up by scientists.
0: But it's based on facts. It's not a fiction.
1: So you're telling me that it's an origin story that is believed to be true by the people who keep it alive as an important part of their traditional culture, specifically the scientific community.
0: But the Big Bang doesn't say anything about humans interacting with gods, so it can't be a myth. True, but in every other way
1: it fits the same definition as an ideological
0: myth. Except that it's not a fiction.
1: Is it 100% complete and accurate? Are you telling me that you're absolutely certain that within the next 100 years, there won't be new discoveries that allow scientists to update and adjust that story? This is super sketchy, dude. I knew you wouldn't like it. But let me just come right out and say it. And in the spirit of true friendship, I'll even start with some facts. It is a fact that you humans perceive only a sliver of reality in the world you live in. It is a fact That the sliver of reality of the world you live in is a minuscule fraction of everything there is to know in this infinitely expanding universe. It is a fact that the scientific method is by far the best process that you have for exploring the unknown and refining your understanding of things. It is a fact that it is laughable hubris to assume that any fact a human has discovered, observed, or theorized is anything more than a best guess within a narrow framework of perception and understanding. It is a fact that fictions play a valuable role in people's lives. Fictions teach us, they entertain us,
0: and they give us a very real
1: sense of meaning, purpose, and belonging in the world. Fictions bring groups of individuals together. They can also divide them. Fictions are real things, that have a real, measurable impact on real people's lives. But too many people do not accept that their fictions are only fictions, and they fight back when they feel that the validity of their fictions is being threatened. How much unnecessary suffering has been created in this world by people defending the validity of their fictions? How much of that continues today? How much of that do you do yourself? in the way you interact with people around you, every day. Suffering and conflict do not arise in a vacuum due to the accuracy or inaccuracy of one fiction versus another. Suffering and conflict arise from the unyielding rigidity with which people hold on to their particular fictions. Suffering and conflict arise from people who see other people's fictions as fictions but deny the fictional nature of their own fictions. Fictions are not the enemy. The enemy is dogma, rigidity, pride, inflexibility, attachment. Fictions are our friends. Fictions are unavoidable. Fictions are the best we can do with the current data that we have. The sooner that you let go of your fiction about fictions and accept the reality of fictions, the sooner you will recognize that fictions connect you to everyone and everything.
0: Are you finished? Do you want me to be? That was a pretty big soapbox you were preaching from right there.
1: Yep, because I'm not only your imagination who specializes in creating fictions, I'm also the passion behind all of those
0: fictions. Wait, what you just told me is a fiction? Of course, everything is a fiction, remember? So it's not true? Stop thinking
1: in terms of true or false.
0: What I told you
1: is a story. A collection of symbols. A Rorschach test. It's something for you to look at,
0: to consider, and to learn from. And you think that there would be less suffering and conflict in this world if everyone felt this way about fictions?
1: Yes, but we don't have to focus on everyone. We just have to focus on you. Because recognizing the limits of your own understanding and accepting that those limits influence what you think and how you feel will wake you up to the fact that you have been the author of your own fictions from day one. You have been the one deciding what you like and don't like. You have been the one deciding what you want more of and what you want less of. Those preferences form the unconscious confirmation bias that programs your neural pathways, and those neural pathways filter all the information coming into your mind through your physical sense perception of the outside world. You are the one who creates, and has always created, the way that you experience reality. And that reality is unique to you. No one else has the exact set of neural pathways that you do.
0: No one else feels the same way
1: about the world as you do. And no one's unique experience is any more or less valid than anyone else's. Everyone is living in their own unique fictional perception of reality. The sooner you accept this fundamental truth, the sooner you will feel less suffering and conflict inside of yourself.
0: And you think you can help me with that?
1: Yes, because I am your imagination, and your passion, and your creativity, and together, we have tremendous power.
0: And what power is that? The power
1: to shape your experience of reality the way that a potter shapes clay. To shape it through your mind, your thoughts, your actions. To shape your core values, beliefs, and worldview. To shape your shared and accepted fictions. What we focus our attention on is what creates progress and change. Fictions direct and inform that focus. Once you know that, once you learn how to put it into practice, the sooner you will become an active, intentional author of your fictions rather than what you've been doing, being a passive, unaware author of your fictions.
0: Uh, I, I don't like it. You don't have to. Some fictions I just can't accept. You don't have to accept all fictions.
1: Just don't confuse your own fictions for irrefutable dogmatic truth. Become genuinely curious about and respectful of other people's fictions. Try looking at fictions as works of art in the great museum of life. You'll find a lot less frustration and anxiety that way.
0: I'm not so sure about that. Very true.
1: You can't be sure of anything.
0: Oh brother. I'm getting tired of this. Yes, I can sense that you're feeling a little deflated.
1: Can I leave you with a joke?
0: Why not? Everything else you've been saying is pretty much a joke. Good one. Okay, here it is. Two ducks are
1: sitting in a bathtub.
0: One duck says to
1: the other duck, Hey, could you pass me the soap? The other duck looks at him and says,
0: What do you think I am? A radio? That's it? That's your joke? Hilarious, isn't it? We are not friends. Thank you for listening to Bathing with God. If you like what you just heard and would like to purchase a print or Kindle version of the complete book, search for it on Amazon.com or go to the website BathingWithGod.com. And if you really, really like what you just heard, share it with someone you love and give me a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you use. You can also like our Facebook page, and subscribe to the Bathing with God YouTube channel. And if you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can email me, Osland, at at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and probably so would Quad. Oh yeah, bring it. Thanks again for listening
1: to Bathing, Bathing with God.
0: With God.